Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. A lot has happened this week in the city of San Diego. The city council elected a new council president in a surprise vote, and the council also approved a new growth plan for Barrio Logan. UT reporter David Garrick covers the city. Uh, David, let's talk about the new council president first. So the council president was Jennifer Campbell. Now it's Sean Ila Rivera. Why was this a surprise? This was a surprise because everyone, including the council members, really thought that, that Jennifer Campbell was going to get a second year as council president. I have to admit, I'm not at City Hall anymore because of the pandemic, but I feel pretty connected and it surprised me. So I think it was a sort of a broadside. So did council members give reasons, you know, as to why they didn't support Campbell for a second term? Yeah, that's always awkward because, you know, you have to work with the person afterwards. So people are usually not all that open about whatever the reasoning was behind ousting someone from council president or, or you know, choosing another person. Um, so, yeah, it's unclear. Campbell uh, faced a recall last year. Um, so it's possible that was part of the motivation. Shawnee Lo Rivera, and one of his first moves, said he's going to sort of change the way that the meetings are handled. So maybe there were some folks frustrated with the way she handled the meetings. Um, you know, I, I don't know. She she got the job kind of in a controversial 5-4 vote last year over Monica Montgomery. Um, so that may be, you know, part of it. She never really had that strong of a stranglehold on the job. Another element, just to get really technical, is that last, there's eight out of the nine people on the city council are Democrats. But last year, five of them were brand new. They had just been elected like a week before. So there were really only three people who could have become council president because you have to have something, some time under your belt. It was Monica Montgomery's step. Jennifer Campbell and Vivian Moreno. So they didn't have a lot to choose from. Now this other fivesome that arrived a year ago, now they've all have a year under their belt. So you had a bunch of new people who were eligible sort of to be council president. So that may have been another factor. But is it historically unusual for a council president not to get a second term? It is, but on the other hand, there's been a lot of mischief. I mean, Todd Gloria, who's now our mayor, he was council president and was ousted to, to uh, have Sherry Leitner take over. That was a move by former mayor Kevin Faulkner to weaken Todd Gloria. Um, so, you know, and there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of crazy stuff goes on with that vote. And about five years ago, everyone thought David Alvarez might become the new council president. And instead, Myrtle Cole took the job. It wasn't a shock, but I think people would have been shocked a week or so ahead of time. So it's always amusing to cover as a reporter because you really never know what's going to happen. And this was a perfect example where it looked like Campbell was going to get reelected. And all of a sudden, council member Chris Kate, the council's only Republican, voted against her when he was the main person voting for her a year ago. And all of a sudden he voted against her and then he nominated Elo Rivera. And it was like everyone kind of went, what? Everybody's jaw dropped. So uh, it was surprising. Okay, so why is Ila Rivera seen as the best person for the job? And, you know, what is his vision for the position? Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you what they think behind closed doors. I can tell you as a reporter, he seems like bright, energetic. He's been very impressive in his first year. He's taken the lead on numerous issues, including a, a backlash against uh, granny flats uh, rules uh, and also the idea of possibly eliminating the city's free trash pickup for single family homes. Those are aggressive, important, controversial issues, and he's taken them head on, which I think people have been impressed by. Um, his vision, I think, is he's, he leads the city's environmental committee, so I think we probably see climate action issues maybe take more uh, priority than they had before. He's definitely a progressive left-wing guy, so I think the, the same agenda that the council had will probably be pursued maybe with more vigor. Um, hard to be certain, um, but I, I, I like Sean, and I've, I've enjoyed working with him, so I think no one can complain that all of a sudden we have someone in there where there's doubts about their competency. Okay, well, let's talk about the Barrio Logan community plan update. What does it entail and, and why is it significant? 
Yeah, that's it's really big news. I mean, this was something that the city tried to do seven years ago. And the business community, mainly the shipping industry, said that they were uncomfortable with the restrictions placed on them. Dario Logan, the neighborhood includes the shipping industry, NASCO, and some other parts of the harbor over there. Um, so they put a referendum on it. It was blocked and overturned. And it was a, a big controversy. And now, seven years later, it's passed with what most people consider a remarkable coalition, environmental groups, community leaders, the shipping industry, the business community, everybody's singing Kumbaya, everyone loves it. So it's a significant change for San Diego. Yeah, were there any big compromises, you know, be between uh, community leaders, environmental leaders, and the, you know, shipping or business industry? I would say, I mean, compared to seven years ago, this is even more aggressive than what they tried seven years ago. So I don't see the environmentalists or the community leaders had to compromise. It was more the shipping industry had to give in to what most people thought was a sensible solution to having residents intermingled with industrial businesses, which isn't good for anybody. It's not good for health. It's not good for asthma. It's not, it's, that doesn't make sense planning wise. So everyone sort of acknowledged that it would have to be solved. The problem is that the shipping industry and other related businesses, they don't want to be restricted in their ability to expand and their ability to operate the way that they need to operate. So it's an unfortunate circumstances that they're all commingled over there. And this creates, I guess, a solution with a 65 acre buffer zone. So that in that area now, we will know going forward, no industrial businesses will go in there um, so that the residents will be kept at least some distance away from industrial businesses, at least new industrial businesses. The existing businesses are grandfathered in and they can remain, but they can't expand. Yeah, so you just mentioned uh, sort of the protections against pollution. I know another part of the plan is uh, protections against gentrification. How, how do they address that? Thank you for bringing that up because that's probably the boldest thing. Ten years from now, we may look back at that as really bold. It's the first time the city has really gotten aggressive about when they change the zoning for a neighborhood, trying to make sure that that won't force all of the existing residents out as developers come in and build fancy new snazzy housing, and then the existing residents can't afford it. No one wants that to happen, but the question is, how do you legislate against it? And this could be the city's blueprint for how to do it. Uh, you know, the, Some of the units and new housing will be uh, reserved for residents there. They'll have a right of a first refusal. Um, they're allowed to stay in their places for longer if the area gets redeveloped. It's a bunch of different elements to try to help either soften gentrification or arguably prevent it. So, and others think that maybe as other neighborhoods, especially low-income neighborhoods, are rezoned to try to um, set up for growth like this one, that these, these policies that the city adopted this week will be used as a blueprint to maybe even go further or as a blueprint that gets repeated. Okay, well, when might we start seeing some of these changes? You know, with the way that the housing, um, the city's housing incentives, I'm guessing that you're going to see housing projects come into Barrio Logan quickly. Now that developers have certainty about what's allowed as far as the heights and the number of units, I would guess it'll happen very quickly, especially if the pandemic, you know, lets up as it, as it appears to be, but you never know we have the new variant. Um, but I would say soon. David Garrett covers the city at the UT. Thanks, David. Thanks, Christy. You can find more news online at sandiegouniontribune.com. Thanks for listening.